So last week we talked about uh, the humanity of Jesus and we talked about his initial response in a particular passage in Matthew chapter 15 uh, to a woman that is essentially known as the Canaanite woman. And it was a response that, as we discussed, was was quite possibly born out of Jesus' upbringing. It was born out of his culture and it was born out of his religion. And we essentially considered how Jesus uh, rejects the notion of this woman being limited by her gender and being limited by her race and being limited by the value that society had placed on her. And instead, he elevates her and he treats her with honor and dignity and he has mercy on her and grants her request. And so this week we're going to continue uh, with the liturgical calendar and and the reading that we're going to look at is uh, from Matthew chapter 16 and it says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now just as an aside, the term Son of Man is used a lot of times in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark and Luke. It's, it's actually used 81 times if you want to count and you care about those things. But it's always used either by or in the context of Jesus. And it's actually used more than any other title uh, to describe him. And what it speaks to very clearly is Jesus' humanity. And it can just as easily be translated, the, the word in the Greek can easily be translated as human one or it can be translated as son of woman. It, it's not necessarily gender specific. Um, but the term also references Hebrew scripture and it references uh, particularly the book of Daniel in which it talks about one like a son of man. And it talks about in that passage, one like a son of man coming before the ancient one and being given dominion and power and authority uh, over all of creation. It's a vision that Daniel has. And and it's a term uh, clearly framed both in humanity, but also there is a very strong hint of the divine in the term son of man. So anyway, back, back to the scripture reading. Jesus poses the question, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you... And this is a collective term now. He's not just referring specifically and individually to Peter. He's essentially referring to to everyone that's before him and the body of believers. I will give you collectively the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you collectively bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you collectively loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I don't know if you were here a few weeks ago, but we talked about uh, binding and loosing essentially as uh, a term of rabbinical interpretation. It's, it's about how uh, rabbis were to interpret the law to determine uh, essentially whether a given action was forbidden or permitted. And then Jesus ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Okay, so Jesus and his disciples come to a region known as Caesarea Philippi, uh, this region is essentially situated at the base of a mountain and it's, it's a beautiful region. It's, uh, it's the location of one of the largest springs 
that's feeding the Jordan River. There was an abundant water supply and so that made the area very fertile. Because it was such a beautiful and a tranquil area, it also made the region attractive for various forms of worship. And so there were various temples that were erected uh, to uh, worship the various Greek and the various Roman gods throughout that time. And so it's in this context, as Jesus is walking through uh, this stunningly beautiful and lush region, surrounded potentially by temples to a whole range of worship practices of worship and deities, that he poses the question, who do people say that I am? Or who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, what I don't read here is Jesus as being insecure. I don't, I don't think this is Jesus kind of having an identity crisis. You know, this, this, I don't find in this passage that he's asking if people like him or if they think he's good or if they think he's bad. Uh, he's not asking if people think he's popular on social media or if he has lots of followers and likes. He, He's certainly asking the disciples, you know, what's the word on the street? What's the chatter? And he's asking that, as I said, as they're wandering through this region surrounded by various forms of worship and deities. And it's almost, to me anyway, as if to make the point that there will always be various ideas. There will always be various suggestions. There will always be various doctrines made about prophets and made about him, Jesus, who he is and what he does coming from all sorts of different people and all sorts of different beliefs. And the disciples essentially confirm this. They say to him, basically, people think you're important, Jesus, and, you know, that you're likely a returned prophet or, you know, and someone who's come to usher in the Messiah. Um, you're likely a herald to the, the future king of the Jews. The question he then asks is, but what about you? Who do you say I am? It's a very direct question. It's, it's a very probing question. It's, it's a potentially uncomfortable and confronting question. Jesus is asking this question of people who have experienced him, people who follow him and, and look up to him and hang out with him and, and live with him, essentially. And, and I think that in this context, uh, what we continue to understand, not, not just in this passage, but in other passages and our readings and experience of Jesus, is that experience is really important to Jesus. We see that Jesus is all about relationship. He's all about breaking bread. And, and he's all about um, hearing people's stories and, and hearing their ideas and, and understanding their, their hurts and their pains and their joys and their questions and, and blessing their lives and, and drawing them out of religion and, and into community. And in response to this question, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Peter declares, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus acknowledges that this is not a response from Peter that's based on the word on the street. It's not a response based on the murmurs of the crowds, but on Peter's own experience and own revelation of who Jesus is to him. And then right at the end of all that exchange, Jesus tells his disciples to tell no one about who they believe him to be, which is usually primarily understood in terms of why Jesus says that to kind of be an issue of timing. It's this sense that, you know, where Jesus talks in other passages about how it's not his time. 
But I also think in the context of this passage that it, he says this in the context of the question, who do you say I am? He, he's saying that in the context of essentially saying, draw your own conclusions rather than telling people the answer or necessarily racing out and imposing your own understanding on other people. And so for me, this passage really highlights that there is as much power, possibly even more power, in the question as there is in finding the answer. Jesus' praxis as a teacher and a rabbi is actually built on questioning rather than kind of doling out the answers. And I think, at least in my experience, that broadly speaking, the, the church has been guilty of doing the opposite. You know, the scenario has, has almost become, if we kind of replace this, replay this thing, you know, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that Jesus is? What? You know, that's outrageous. How dare they say that? that that's heresy. That's, that's uh, blasphemy. How, you know, how dare, how dare they say that? Let's, let's kick them out. Let's punish them. Let's excommunicate them. Let's crucify them even. And I, I kind of think there's more than a tinge of irony in that. I personally don't actually believe that it's my role as a Christian, as a pastor, as whatever it is that I am, as the person who makes the decisions that no one else wants to make. I, I actually don't believe it's my role to tell people, or even you, who Jesus is. I would even go as far to say, and just kind of hear me out before you think I'm slitting the throat on Evangelism 101. But I would almost go as far to say that it's not our collective role to tell people who Jesus is. Now, maybe I am about to slit the throat on Evangelism 101, I don't know. But for me, as a Christian, my role, and I think our role, is really to discover and to explore and to ask questions, and rather than tell, to, to live out. To, to live out our experiences in a way that, that expresses who Jesus is in and through my life as best I can in, in all my humanity and all my fragility and all my brokenness. It, it's not my role to give you the answers, partly because I probably don't actually have them. You know, I'm partly still discovering them for myself. And, and even if I was somehow the most enlightened person in this room, which I'm clearly not. But even if that was the case, even if somehow I was the most enlightened person in this room, just suspend your disbelief for a moment. And I was to kind of play that role. The reality is, is that in rattling off the answers and kind of giving the answers to people and telling people how I think it is, I actually think I would be ripping people off. I actually think that I would be marginalizing and excluding people. Because the reality is, depending on whether you agree with me or not, depending on whether uh, the answers that I articulate and, and tell you are correct or not in your way of thinking, what would happen is that I would then create this paradigm in which I'm essentially able to rule on who is in and who is out. It becomes this very much this kind of dichotomy of, well, I don't agree with that, so 
perhaps you should move on to another community. You kind of have these kind of uncomfortable conversations. Now, don't get me wrong, I get why we do that as the church. I, I get it. It, it. The alternative is this. The alternative is really messy. It, it's really difficult. It's really... It requires a lot of people. It requires people to walk into a room and go, yeah, I'm going to sit down at the table with people that I may have never have met. I'm going to break bread with people that I may have never met. I'm going to engage in real, genuine conversation with people that I may have never met. And what happens is that becomes the default, that we default to giving people the answers because it's, it's safer and, and it's cleaner and it's easier but my hope is that more than anything that, that I would reflect the experience of and my wrestling with and my flawed attempts to, to really outwork who Jesus is for me. But not in a way that diminishes your experience and more hopefully in a way that adds to your experience and that your experience essentially adds to mine. You know, I, I love that Jesus poses questions far more than he answers them. And I read somewhere, and I haven't, I haven't done the science on this, so I'm just going to take it as accurate. But I read somewhere that in the Gospels, Jesus asked 307 questions. Someone's counted. He, in turn, is asked 183 questions, of which he only answers three. Three. He answers less than 2% of the questions that he's asked. Like, whether those numbers are completely accurate or not, it's very clear that Jesus asked a lot more questions than he answered. And yet, today, I think that the church broadly is guilty, and I've been guilty of this, of answering questions that the world probably isn't even asking. John 1.14 in the Message Translation says... The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. But kind of what we see and what we experience is that the word poses more questions than he seeks to answer. And so for me, Jesus absolutely is God with us. For me, Jesus is God made flesh. He, he helps me as a human to understand how God responds to us and he helps me understand how God calls us to grow and to learn and to manifest our humanity. For me, Jesus is absolutely both human and divine. He, he helps me to understand who God is, but I think that he also helps me understand what it means to be human and what it means to wrestle with that. And yes, it's mysterious and yes, it's messy and it doesn't often make sense, but he demonstrates to me and teaches me mercy and grace and forgiveness and sacrifice and humility and love. And, and he breaks my brain uh, in trying to conceive the vastness of creation and the fundamentals of quantum physics amidst all that. And, and he breaks my intellect in trying to conceive a God who would choose to be murdered by his creation rather than fight back and lead a violent revolution. And he forms and he guides me in seeking reconciliation and in seeking peacemaking with, with all of creation and humanity. 
and he proposes to me a story and a journey and it's something for me that is progressive that that is not fixed and it's not immovable and it's not rigid but rather he calls me out of being self-centered and judgmental and self-righteous and this kind of boxed existence into community and into relationship and ultimately into love and he causes me to question who I am and what my purpose is and what it might be and and how it is that that I might live in community and how I might contribute to that community but that's my reading and that's my experience and that's my wrestling and so the question for us tonight I'm going to put them up in a second, is what about you? Who do you say Jesus was? Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus might be? And what do you think of the idea that Jesus asked vastly more questions than he answered, especially in the context of the statement, today the church is answering questions that the world isn't even asking? <laughs> 